show me wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look at my eye. Like a hand. Thumb inside. Get! Get! Ladies and gentlemen, Get! this Look, is I the main event of the evening. All right, welcome in to pregame.com's UFC podcast, RJ Bell's Dream Preview channel. Actually, this will be on uh, Straight Out of Vegas AM's channel. Thank you for for subscribing to this channel. But UFC 294, I'm AJ Hoffman, joined as always by my man Sleepy J. Sleepy, how we doing this week? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited for this card. Threw a couple monkey wrenches at us, but I think it's actually a a bigger and better card than what it was. I think so too, man. And th- like I, the if you don't know the main event and co-main event, and those are the two fights that we're going to talk about. We always do that on every pod, and then we'll give a, a best bet. And it so happens that our best bet is the same. We don't talk about it uh, until it's recording time, and we have the same one. So um, we're going to uh, to go over that as well. I'll give a little bonus since we've got the same best bet. But uh, my thought was. And this, listen, me as a guy who, one of my former training partners is Charles Oliveira, uh, one of my favorite fighters. I think that the fight between Volkanovski, Volkanovski and Mahachev is is better than the the Oliveira fight. Uh, I think that Usman is a better opponent than Costa for Shamayev. So I, I love this card. Uh, I think top to bottom, it's loaded. I think there's a lot of guys on this card, whether it be uh, Magomed Ankalaev, uh, Ikram Alaskarov, guys who can eventually be champions, and maybe even Shara Magomedov, who can be champions down the road. So I think there is some some real intriguing fights on this card. Um, you know, if you're if you're a guy who only buys every handful, every you know every third or fourth pay per view, I feel like this is one to watch, especially if the Volk and Mahashev fight is anything like the first one, which was one of the, maybe, maybe the fight of the year so far. So I guess let's start there. Let's start it with the main event and Alexander Volkanovsky, Islam Mahashev. And again, th- this is a rematch from just a few months back in a fight that a lot of people thought Volkanovsky won myself included. I, I like, I, I didn't think it was a robbery or anything like that. But I gave Volkanovsky three rounds. I could certainly see a, a, a scorecard saying that Mahashev won three round, or excuse me, uh, three of the five rounds. But it was about as competitive of a fight as we've seen. It was the first time we saw Mahashev hurt. Uh, it was the first time we've seen Mahashev look tired. Volk's cardio was certainly a weapon in that fight. The odds right now, Mahashev, the champ, minus 250. Volkanovsky, the challenger, of course, moving up, at least the challenger at 155. We know he's the 145-pound champ, but at this weight, he's the challenger, and he's plus 215 on the comeback. Uh, The total is set at 4.5 over, is minus 115, under minus 105. And Volk Volk has said in the the lead-up to this fight, because he's taking it on short notice, 
he feels like he has to go for broke. He feels like a finish is the only way he can win. Um, but in my opinion, cardio was such a weapon for him last time out. I don't see why he changes that mindset. I, I, I imagine he understood at the end of that five rounds when they were both standing there in the middle of the cage, he looked over and like Islam could barely stand up. They were having to hold him up. And Volk looked like he could go three more rounds. So uh, to me, he knows that even on short notice, he knows his cardio is going to be a weapon because he doesn't have to have the big weight cut. Um, I think, if anything, he pushes a little harder with the same style of fight here. Um, he he was willing to press the pace against Mahashev. I think he does it again. I do think Islam is tough to finish, uh, but as is Volkanovski. So I'm going to say this fight looks much like the last fight. I'm just going to go with a different result. I, I think if Volk is more aggressive and, and keeps pushing the pace the same way he has because he knows he's got extra gas in his tank that Islam will not have, I think that he can win this fight. So I like over four and a half rounds again at minus 115. And then I, I like Volk at plus 220. I think there's value on that. So uh, I think this is almost the exact reprint of last fight, just with a different guy getting his hand raised. Wow. I'm surprised that you went and you took Volk on short notice because I did the same damn thing. I actually <laughs> like him here. I actually like him a lot for this fight. I think one of the things that Islam had in his favor probably stepping into like every fight that he stepped into was that you had to solve this puzzle and i think some guys had maybe very very minimal success but volkanovsky i rewatched the fight again today he solved that puzzle he knows the puzzle that is islam i don't think that volk respects his power i think that volkanovsky realized that his cardio is far far better I don't know if that's going to be a factor here coming in here with short notice. That That's maybe my one concern with Volkanovsky. Makachev looked like he looked tired at the end there. He was beat up. We've never really seen him like that before. And I think that that gives Volkanovsky a lot of confidence. And I think that that gives Islam nothing but worries. If you go back to the last fight, Volkanovsky, when he fought Yair Rodriguez, it wasn't even close. It was a bloodbath. He absolutely wiped him out. Yeah. And I looked at Rodriguez very similar to Islam, similar in size, similar in stature. Now they, they fight a little bit different, but I think Volkanovsky went into that fight knowing that he had Islam waiting and he went in and he prepared for Rodriguez the same exact way that he was going to prepare for Islam. Now Islam obviously had Oliveira on deck, so that was where his focus was at. But I think Volkanovsky, the minute that first fight ended with Islam, that was his focus. It was nothing but get better, figure out that puzzle a little bit more, and solve it. And I think he does solve it here. So I love Volkanovsky here. I looked at the odds, and I thought maybe minus 170, minus 150. That's kind of where I would price this in favor of Islam, maybe. I don't know. I, I really feel like after I watched that that fight today, and I, I'll disagree with you a little bit with this, AJ. I rewatched it, and I thought that Volkanovsky got a lot of a lot of cheering for the fact that he was getting up off takedowns, getting out of Islam would have him in like a seatbelt up against the cage, like things like that. Like the crowd was really, really excited that he was able to get out of those positions, but it's not like he was winning that battle. So I actually rewatched it, scored it for Makachev slightly, but Volk did everything that I needed that it, that he needed to do. 
I think, to go ahead and at least um, give himself just so much confidence going into this one. I like him a lot in this one. As soon as I started thinking about it, I'm just like, man, I'm going to take Volkanovski, and I don't think anybody's going to be with me. So I'm actually happy to hear that at least you're a little bit supportive of Volkanovski here. I mean, it better than two to one. It it feels like there's just, I mean, in a fight that was a coin flip, whoever you think won the fight, I think we can agree. Like, had they scored it for Volk, you wouldn't have been like, oh, that was a robbery. So, like, to me, these these guys are even. And you, one side I'm getting plus 215. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's just too much value to to not take a stab at. Do you think that Volkanovsky feels disrespected here? Oh, I'm sure he does. But I also – now here's the worry. You mentioned the crowd and the cheering in the first fight. Remember where this fight is. This is in Abu Dhabi. That This is going to be a pro-Mahachev crowd. Um, and, and maybe, maybe that influences the judges, although it didn't happen in Australia. So you never know, but, um, yeah, that, that is the concern for me that if it's a close fight, the judges will will give it to Islam. But again, I, I think anytime, if you tell me these two guys are even fighters and I think they are like, I think if they fight 10 times, one guy will win five each. Mm-hmm. Plus two, plus two fifteen is an incredible value. The one thing I noticed with Volkanovski is he looked like he didn't care about getting into the phone booth fight. Like there was a lot more no. aggression there. I don't want to say Islam looked um, like he looked rattled, but I think that when you go into a fight constantly against all these guys and everything just seems to work flawlessly for you, and then you go up against a guy who shows you pretty much no respect and. He just baffles you. Like, you just seem like it seemed to me like Islam kind of shelled up a little bit. Like, he was still throwing his stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it, I didn't see any confidence in him in that fight at all. One thing I think that happened in that fight that I don't think will happen again is Islam. Remember, he, he hurt Volkanovsky on the feet. And, it, like, you don't think of Islam as a guy who's going to bang you up real good with his hands. But he stunned Volk early in that fight. And I think this happens a lot with when you're when you're going against guys who are world class grapplers, you sometimes forget that they can throw punches. And you've seen like when Charles Oliveira drops Dustin Poirier, uh, when when Khabib drops Conor McGregor, you have to worry so much about going to the mat that sometimes you forget to protect your face. And I think Volk, the the image of him getting hurt in that fight, the visual of it, may have cost him on the scorecards. And I don't think he he takes that for granted again. I, I think you're going to see him respect Islam stand up a little bit more. Uh, and I, I think that's a benefit that he knows that Islam, if he's if if Volk isn't in the mindset that Islam can hurt him on the feet, he's making a mistake. So that that's one benefit, I think, of, of him getting stunned in that first fight is I, I don't think he lets that happen again. I think what Volkanovsky did, though, immediately right after that was like he was like, all right, you want to bang? Let's bang. He was like, you want to if this is how you want to fight. Exactly. And he said, you know what? If I get taken down, I'll get up and we'll keep banging. And that's how the fight went. Right. And I think that that was kind of like this weird shift for me when I was watching it was that Volkanovsky realized, like, I don't have just one way to beat this guy. I, we saw at the end of the fight where he was grounding and pounding. So I think that there's just a lot of avenues for Volkanovski, and I only really saw one for Makachev, and that was get Volk up against the cage, and hopefully he can sooner or later choke him out. And we saw Volkanovski lean up against the cage with Islam on his back, sitting there, you know, putting his thumb up and smiling. Like, there was no there was no worry at all. No. 
he's hard to finish, man. It is. So I, I just, I love the, the confidence. I love everything I saw, even though I thought Islam beat him up a little bit. There's just no way I could take Islam in this one. I think the line's just completely out of, out of control. Yeah, certainly not at, you know, it's such a, a big favorite when you're talking about taking a guy at, you know, minus 240 or whatever when, or 250 when you, you can, I mean, when again, I think they're coin flip guys. It just doesn't make sense to me. So do you think that Volkanovsky was an alternate for this fight? Like, do you think that he was 100% ready, like knowing that he could have either gotten the call? Um, I, I think that they know, like the idea that Volk is a natural 145 Mm-hmm. makes him such an easy replacement because Justin Gaethje or uh, or Dustin Poirier, those guys couldn't have made weight in time to fight. Okay. So I, I, knowing that, you know, they, they only had like a little over a week, mm-hmm. I, I, it made sense because they knew that Volk wouldn't be so heavy that it was impossible for him to make 155. Like Dustin Poirier is a monster. Mm-hmm. Like when he's not in fight camp, he's, he, like, he walks around in the 170s and it's it be, it would just be too difficult, I think, uh, on that short of notice. So, um, I I think that's why Volk was, and also because they had such a competitive fight the first time, and there was controversy. Like a lot of people thought that Volk won, so I think they said this is a fight that people want to see again. It made a lot of sense, and I, honestly, I give Volk a better chance than I would give any any of those fifty fivers that they could have used. Like if they called Justin Gaethje, I, I think Volkanovski smokes him. Yeah. Uh, they called Benny Dariush. I, I, I think he smokes Dariush. So I, I don't know who they could have used. I, I think this was the, be- the best the best thing they had. And that's why I was asking, because I felt like maybe Volk realized, like, they're only going to use me. And, and, like, you know who another option would have been is Michael Chandler. But Michael mm-hmm. Chandler is – I don't think he wants to fight until he fights Connor because he knows if he if he fights and loses – That payday goes away. The payday goes away. So – I, I, Volk just was the natural choice, in my opinion. I, I mean, I, I think Charles was deserving of a rematch, given what he did to, to Dariush. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think once Charles went out, it was like the, the next guy is obvious, uh, in my opinion. All right, let's move to the co-main event. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, 
B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support. Vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, bud. Uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Where we've got a battle at 185 pounds. We've got Hamzat Shemaev taking on Kamaro Usman, former 170-pound champion. Shemaev, a heavy favorite, minus 315. Usman, plus 265 on the comeback. Under two and a half rounds, minus 170. Over two and a half rounds, plus 150. I'll let you uh, take the lead on this one, Sleep. What are your thoughts on Usman as a replacement? Uh, And do you see anything about his game that can trouble Shemaev? I certainly think that he has the skills to trouble him, but I don't like Usman in this fight at all. I think, you know, he comes into this one off of two losses. So not only did he lose to Edwards, you know, he, he couldn't go ahead and get his belt back. I mean, that has to play on his mind a little bit, the fact that he knows that he's not better than Leon Edwards. It's now going to be back-to-back losses for him, and I question where, just where he's at right now. I don't like any of the optics here for Usman. I asked myself this question. If the UFC wanted Hamzat to be the champion or at least to go ahead and make that fight, he would have had to probably navigate through three guys potentially to go ahead and get to that title, whether it would have been Usman, Colby, Leon, well, we know Leon and Colby are going to end up fighting each other, so that kind of knocks one of those guys out of the picture. So the real only roadblock for the UFC getting Hamzat to the title fight or to become the title is Usman. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of just it, – it sets up really, really bad for him. And I think that if you go back and, and you watch some of the interviews, one of the things that Usman said was that, who the hell was I going to fight? There was really nobody out there for me to fight. And I think that the UFC kind of – put that on the table and said, well, if you don't take this, then we don't know what we're going to do with you next. And I think that Usman realized like, well, the UFC right now is in a moment of weakness. I actually have some leverage here. So I think he actually did this, believe it or not, for a payday. I don't know if you agree with that, but who are they going to do? What were they going to do? Put Burns in there? Like, what were they going to put in Jemaya's way? I just don't see that that there was anybody that, that they could have stuck in there. Well, here's the thing. For for Usman, like maybe I don't know if I would call it a payday, but when you lose twice at one seventy, like what's your path back to the title? Like you now you need Leon Edwards to lose, and then you need to like win a couple fights and get a crack at at whoever happened to beat Leon Edwards, because they're not going to give a there's not going to be a third Leon Edwards fight because he's lost twice and the second time was was I mean I I know it was a majority decision it was only a majority decision because Edwards got deducted a point but I I think like he's got two clear wins over him so I, I don't know that I think Usman saw the writing on the wall at his age like he's 36 years old the idea that he was going to work his way back to another title shot at 170 
was unlikely. And they told Usman, the winner of this fight can get a shot at the 185-pound title. And that's what Dana White said this week. The winner of this fight is the number one contender for 185. I think Usman liked the idea of that. Like, okay, this is a chance for me to fight for a title again. Uh, so, I like, if he's going to ever win another title again, it's going to be at 185. Because I, I don't think he'll ever get another crack at 170. So I, I think that's, that's what went into it. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what to think about him because, like you were just saying, like his age is a factor. Like, do you think he has maybe more than like three fights in him, even if if there is a title shot at one eighty five? Probably not. But I just think I think there's a lot of wear and tear on Usman. Guys, I mean, he's been in some wars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think back to the the Covington, the last Covington fight, really both Covington fights, um, but. The, the Leon Edwards getting head kicked, get, then getting thrown around like he's he's been through it. So I, it's hard for me to imagine that he like he he feels like an old 36, if that makes sense. Like in fight years, he feels like he's he's worn. Um, but on Shamayev's side, like I believe that Usman moving up in weight probably helps a little bit. With his cardio and things like that, because I otherwise I think Shemayev could out cardio him by a mile, but not having to not having to make one seventy probably helps. But Usman is such a good wrestler, but does is he a better wrestler than Shemayev? I, I don't know. Uh, Usman was at one point a volume striker. That's dried up dramatically in recent fights. Like he looked almost like he didn't want to throw punches against Leon Edwards and I think you you have to consider his durability a concern think about the fights like forget the head kick knockout think about to the fight before that against Colby Covington you remember Colby Covington hurt him on the feet Mm -hmm. and Colby Colby Covington has pillow hands and he hurt him on the feet like that's worrisome to me, like it, uh, when you're going against a guy like Shamayev who packs way more punch than Colby Covington did, so if Colby Covington can hurt you in the stand up and Leon Edwards can injure Knight at 170, how do you hold up at 185 against a guy like Shamayev who's just dangerous everywhere? I'll go, my my play on this fight. I'll go ahead and get to it. Is going to be Shamayev inside the distance, and you can get that at DraftKings minus 115. Um, it feels to me like going a full three rounds seems unlikely on short notice. And I, I can't get out of this this video that I saw surface. I, I don't know if you've seen this, but during open workouts, Kamaru Usman and Justin Gaethje are doing some wrestling. Mm-hmm. Usman hits a takedown and Gaethje says, are you all right? And Usman said something popped. And they asked him about it at the press conference, and he said, it's no big deal. It's not an issue. But something popped. And now you're going into this fight against, like, one of the most dangerous guys in the world, one of the best finishers in the world, and something popped two or three days before. It almost feels like a uh, – remember when TJ Dillashaw fought for the title? Mm-hmm. And, like, you you could tell as soon as he got in the cage, like – Oh, he's not supposed to be in here. Yeah. Like, he, there's no way he should be medically in here, and he ends up getting beat up. So, I, I could see a similar similar situation unfold here. 
So I think Shamayev to get a finish here is is the best way to go at this fight. Do you have any worry that like Usman he trained for how long for five round fights? Now it's a three round fight on short notice that maybe his routine could be a little screwed up because I think when you're a champion for that long and you you that's just the way that your training camp goes. When you throw a wrench into that, it just kind of screws everything up. Like I know a lot of people might think, oh, this is going to be good for Usman. He's not going to have to go five rounds. This could actually be worse for him. Well, what I do think is it it, let, it lets him give more output. Like so that's that's a benefit, I think, of him not him a guy who's trained to go five rounds only having to go three, you know you can put your foot down on the gas a little bit more. The concern is if you start to to throw that volume, that means you're giving something up defensively. And I, I go back to it. Shamayev is just so dangerous. And if Shamayev gets you down on the ground, it, it, like if he's on top of you, Usman, as good of a wrestler as he is, he's got to be on top to succeed. And like if if he's on the bottom against a, a much bigger, stronger opponent, not to say that, I mean, Usman's strong, you know, but a natural 185-er, I, I think that he could he could end up getting beat up here. So I, I think that there there's pros and cons to having that five round cardio and knowing you only have to go three. I, and, but and maybe Usman, especially after losing that last fight, feels like he's got to push the pace more to get a win. Um, but I, and remember that we talked about it in the last fight. If the if the judges get this fight, who do you think it goes to? I, to me, it, it goes to it goes to Shemaev. Uh, who, by the way, like is is not going to represent Sweden anymore. Like that's so he, he's he's coming in representing uh, an Arab nation. I think that that's that that'll be a factor. So I think Usman knows he's got to go and 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 get nasty, and I think that that leads to him getting finished. I, I just think Shamayev is that good. I, I think he's one of the two or three best fighters in the world. Um, so I, and I think I think these guys are ships passing in the night. Shamayev is getting better and better, and Usman is nearing the end of his run. So uh, I, I can I can only look at, at Hamzat here. You know what stinks is that Usman has earned so much respect and has done so much in the sport that it's kind of hard for me to sit here and do a, a podcast and and feel like we're absolutely throwing him in the garbage because it feels like that. Like it feels like kind of like you know like, like our Shamayev. Gilbert Burns handicap, and we saw what that fight turned out to be. But you know what, man? It happens to everybody. It doesn't seem like we're giving him much of a shot here. No, and and that's fair. But it's like at some point, and this this happened to me a lot with Shogun Hua. I find myself believing so much in what I've seen in the past that I I keep thinking that that guy is going to show up again. But at some point in this game, you hit a wall. And that the original guy is just gone. It's hard to be that guy at 36 years old. And as someone like speaking from experience, me fighting when I was 32 compared to when I was 37, 38, there was a big difference in how I could train and how my what my performance was like. It's there's a wall for everybody in this game. Uh, like think back to to Fedor Emelianenko, who I, I think is on the Mount Rushmore of MMA fighters of all time. It was sad to watch him at the end because he was not the same guy and he couldn't take punches the same way. And uh, like Chuck Liddell is a great example of a guy who probably should have hung it up about four fights earlier than he did. 
the, these guys, they, they keep believing in themselves that they're at the top level and they want to fight big name fights. The problem is guys like Shamayev, they're, they're wolves. And if you go out there and you like, you think your game is what it was five years ago, you'll quickly find out that father time is, is undefeated. And when you're, if you're fighting a guy who's even like Shamayev, I'd argue is on the level of Kamaru Usman at his peak. So if that's the case, and I know that Usman is not peak Usman because peak Usman doesn't get decision by Leon Edwards. He doesn't get head kicked at the end of that first fight with Leon Edwards. He's not, he's not prime Kamaru Usman anymore. And to me, Shamayev is only getting better at this point in his career. He's, he's had 12 fights. Like he he's coming into his prime. So to, to me, this is, I get what you're saying, but you don't want to be too late to the party. You don't want to be the guy who who's saying, oh, there's no way Usman can lose three fights in a row. No way he'll lose four fights in a row. That's how, look at most of the legends of this game and you look at their, their sure dog page or their Wikipedia page, you see a lot of red at the top of it because those last few fights, same thing in boxing, those last few fights, they don't think they're out of it, but they really are. Yeah. You know, as you're sitting here talking, like, Chemayev should be the wall for Usman, but unfortunately it turned out to be Leon Edwards, so it makes sense, right? Like, Chemayev should end up getting the job then here. You know what I'll do, AJ, is I'll take him I'll take him on the money line, and I'll, I'll parlay him with a, with an early prelim fighter, Nathaniel Wood, at minus 250. It's going to end up being a minus 145 payout. I think a little bit of the confusion here for me is I don't know how Chemayev wins, but I certainly think that he's the better fighter. Could he KO Usman? I don't know. You know, you were just talking about Covington, you know, shocking Usman a little bit. I mean, there's that. I mean, maybe he can go ahead and, and choke him out or something like that. So I just don't know how he wins, but I think that he certainly wins this one. So I'll use him in a parlay. I think that's that's the one that I feel the most comfortable with here with him. All right, let's go to best bets. But before we do, tell the people how they can save some money at pregame.com. Well, you guys can save 15% here at Geico. Oh, wait. <laughs> Wrong read. Wrong read. Uh, here we go. 10 seconds at pregame.com can save you 10 bucks off any pick here at pregame. Simply enter code SMASH10. That's S-M-A-S-H-10. SMASH10 and save $10 on any pick. I know, AJ, you have your UFC 294 package up. If you guys want to save 10 bucks on that, SMASH10. Steven Nover has his NFL play of the year up for NFL Sunday. Uh, enter code SMASH10 for that. It's a pretty simple concept. Just go to pregame.com, get any pick from any professional better and save 10 bucks on any pick. Just enter SMASH10 in the coupon code area. It's so easy. A caveman can do it, AJ. I agree. All right, let's get to best bets. And there's only one of them. Although, okay, never mind. We got a bonus coming at you, but we agreed. We had a consensus best bet. For the first time since we've been doing this, which is uh, kind of fun. Magomed Ankalaev, Johnny Walker. This is the the third fight from the top. So the, uh, the, the fight right before the two fights we just talked about. And we're going to go over one and a half rounds. You can get that at minus 150. Ankalaev has not fought since the split draw with Jan Blahovich for the 205 title back in December. And it was the fourth time in Ankalaev's last five fights that his, he saw the, sto- the scorecards, he is a different fighter than he was when he first got to the UFC, where he was extremely aggressive, he was blitzing, and he was just taking people's heads off. And he's just he's become a careful fighter. 
which is fine. I mean, it's it literally. I mean, it's gotten him to the point where he's a couple wins away from a title shot again. And he argue, I think he. I think he did beat Jan Blahovich, but it, it's it's not exciting. The good thing is he doesn't care. He knows if he keeps winning, eventually it's undeniable. He gets Johnny Walker, who at one point in his career was kind of a berserker. Like he would, uh, he, he would just go in and throw, and it was kill or be killed. But he slowed down too, especially against opponents that he knows are dangerous. And Walker knows that if this hits the floor, he is toast. So he is going to try and implore a range game. And Ankalaev is perfectly happy to play range kickboxing for 15 minutes with Johnny Walker. Over one and a half, I expected this to be over two and a half rounds. Um, I actually would have preferred over two and a half rounds, getting some plus money back. But at one and a half, I, I, I like I like this fight to be a little grimier than people expect, a little slower than people expect. Uncle Liev is going to be safe because he knows Johnny Walker has knockout power. Johnny Walker's not going to dive into the fire because he knows he'll get taken down and finished. So I, I like this over one and a half. And in fact... I'm going to sprinkle a little also on Ankalaya by decision, which pays plus two thirty-five. I do think he's the better fighter. Um, I, I I think he's really superior everywhere, but it, I think that he wins another less than exciting Ankalaya uh, fight. And again, doesn't care people boo. I also think here in this in this arena, he's a lot less likely to get booed than he would be if this fight were in Brazil or in the U.S. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a, a lot longer fight than this, than the books expect it to be. I thought this would be probably somewhere in the area of like minus 200 minus 220, somewhere like that. That's as soon as I saw this, I'm like, that, that number just seems completely wrong. And I think that with both of these guys is that they'll come into this one respecting each other, but also kind of respecting what happens if they lose this fight. Like where does Johnny Walker go with a loss? Where does uncle I go with a loss? I think that they they look at each other being like, you know what, hey, this guy could probably beat me, you know. So I do think that they play it safe. I think that they try to get their range down. Johnny Walker, you know, he's six foot six, has an eighty-two inch reach. This is one of the biggest guys, if not one of the biggest guys, that Uncle I is going to see. So, like you said, he, he plays it safe. He, I like Uncle I. Like his jab is, is pretty vicious. I think he'll look to go ahead and, and figure out that range because he's given up seven inches. I think he'll just use his jab and figure out. Let me just see if I can wear this guy down, eventually get him down to the mat. And I think Johnny Walker is going to realize, like, this is the best guy I've been in here with. I have to respect this guy. So I just see maybe a little bit of a cat and mouse all the way through that entire first round till you know, they get a little froggy. But eventually, I think this, this is going over one and a half rounds. I don't, I don't see an early finish here. I don't see any early fireworks. Uh, I don't want to say maybe the most boring fight on the card, but at least for a round and a half, I think it's going to be pretty slow go yeah I, I could see that as well um but and i don't i mean yeah i guess me i'm trying to think is is it the best guy he's been in there with uh i, I guess it probably is you know I, 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 you make an argument for uh, i mean jamal hill was a champion nikita krilov but yeah you, you're probably right this would be the, the best guy he's been in there with so uh the thing about johnny walker is he's explosive but i don't i mean he's not a I don't think he's a great kickboxer. I think he's a good kickboxer who's got he's got he's huge physically. Like he's you know six foot five or he's a, a monster of a man. But I, I think Uncle Iev is so sound defensively, particularly recently, 
that if you avoid the big shot, you can eventually overwhelm Johnny Walker with with more technique. And I, I think Ankalaev is the much more technical kickboxer here. Uh, and he has wrestling in his back pocket, which Johnny Walker really doesn't. So I, I think there's just too many advantages. But I, I also think that there, like Ankalaev has proven he's not in a hurry to do anything. Like there, there's no rush for him. And, you know, remember Johnny Walker lost four out of five fights. And, and really he should have lost five out of five. If you remember, he's, he landed those illegal elbows to the back of Ryan Spann's head. That, that would have been five straight losses. So there's a reason why he's trying to slow things down a little bit. And Anthony Smith, like if you couldn't get Anthony Smith out of there in three rounds, I don't think he's getting Uncle Liev out of there in, in, in a round and a half. So uh, I, consensus on our best bet. Magomed Ankalaev, Johnny Walker, over one and a half rounds. And I'm going to sprinkle a little on Ankalaev by decision at plus 235. All right, that'll do it, guys. Uh, UFC 294 on Saturday. Enjoy the fights. Sleepy J, as always, we appreciate you. You can find him and myself at pregame.com. Sleepy, always good, my man. And we'll talk before UFC 295, which should be a fun one as well.